song sheets if you'll find the first Noel. We're going to sing the very first verse only of the first Noel. The angel did say was to certain poor shepherds and field where they live. Sing it with me now. The first Noel the angel did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields where they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep Noel 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 Sing it now Born is the King of Israel Yes, the baby King in the manger. How amazing is that? How indescribable is that someone has said time is a mystery time is a mystery and uh, we live each day immersed in it so we cannot imagine any life outside of time but if we for a moment could could uh, step out of time and space and view the events of this world as God sees them if we could just do that for a moment and have his perspective we would see that God has always had a plan. God has always had a purpose. Throughout history, God's been working out this thing, His plan, His purpose. Now, I accept that by faith. Obviously, I can't stand above all of the creation as God does and outside of the creation, uh, who, God who is greater than His creation, obviously. But I can see through the eyes of revelation that God has in fact giving us, given us an unfolding plan of divine purpose. Sometimes we say, you know, uh, the occurrence, what has happened uh, was a mistake. Such and so was certainly not a good thing. Maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe the loss of a job or prosperity. And we think, oh my, uh, what, a, what a terrible experience, to, to lose that, to, to not have that any longer. And yet, perhaps time later on will reveal the truth. And that is that God actually does have a divine, a wonderful, wonderful plan. Today in Sunday school, we studied uh, for a few moments with the kids and adults the account from Matthew chapter 2 about the coming of the wise men. And we dispelled some myths, and we were also able to share some truth with respect to the symbolism and the application of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the three gifts that were given by we don't know how many wise men, but uh, certainly enough of an entourage to trouble all of Israel, as the Scripture says. And uh, we know that they came not to the, to the manger scene, so you're going to need to move your nativity around a little bit, but later on they came to... Uh, the house where the young child was. So we don't know how many days, weeks, months, or even years it was, but in the course of time they came. But in giving the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they are symbolizing the life and ministry of our Savior and our relationship with Him. 
First of all, the gold represents His divinity and His, his, uh, his uh, kingliness. He is the King of kings. And I'm wearing, by the way, a, a goldish tie. And you'll recall Pastor and Sister Harps who used to sit right down here. Brother Harps went to be with the Lord. What a blessing He was for the short time that He was with us. But, uh, but He gifted this preacher with a number of preacher's ties. He wanted... He knew that he would have to go to heaven, but he wanted his ties to go on in the ministry, I guess. So, so he gave me this one. It's got Jesus' name. I love Jesus all over it. And I do love Jesus. And I appreciate Brother and Sister Harps and uh, what impact they have had. But when I think of the gold, I think of who's the king, who's in charge, who is uh, over all the kingdoms, all, all the rulers of this world. And that is uh, King Jesus. And praise the Lord. Now, he came as a baby, but one day he will come to rule and to reign. And praise God for that. And right now, he is king over the, the life of the individual who will submit to his lordship and his leadership. And uh, we sing, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. So we want him to be king of our life. Amen. We want to invite him in every day, every aspect of our life. So that's the gold. A great wealth, of course, um, Given which would enable uh, baby Jesus along with Joseph and Mary to flee into Egypt when Herod would uh, come after all the babies and kill them. And that's how they would be able to escape and live in Egypt until Herod would pass off the scene. Uh, the frankincense is actually a name of an element that's taken from a, from a tree, a rosin, that uh, uh, is the central ingredient. Actually, 16 ingredients put together makes the perfume or the incense of frankincense, but frankincense itself is the main ingredient. And it was used uh, a number of ways, but the priests, the priests would, uh, would offer the incense. And uh, so it, it speaks of the priesthood. We have a great high priest, uh, and he is able to be touched by our infirmities. He knows our pain, and uh, he is the one who sacrificed everything for us, but he's the great high priest. Think about that. And uh, we thank God today that we've got one who understands us better than we understand ourselves. Now that aroma attracts us and, and uh, we're drawn to it. And uh, Jesus Christ wants us to have that relationship with him. Now listen to me. God didn't send his son into the world to die for the sins of the world just so that we'd have a uh, fire escape out of hell. Are you listening to me? He sent His Son into the world so that He would save us, yes, from the penalty of our sins, but also so that we would be transformed from the inside out. And like uh, unto Jesus Christ, we would become more and more like Him as we surrender more and more of our life. So if you haven't done that, we need, we need to start down that road today. And this Christmas Sunday, I can't think of a better time for us to do that than to allow Him to be in charge and for us to be uh, at one with Him in every respect. And then we have the myrrh. In our house, we have myrrh, don't we? It's got a very bitter taste. But um, when I'm starting to feel... I'm, by the way, I'm not sick right now. But when I'm starting to feel something, if I take a little bit of that myrrh, it will help me, right? It's, it's, a, it's a great natural supplement. Now, you're not going to like the taste, but there are a lot of things that are good for you that don't taste good. But uh, actually, the name myrrh comes from mar, which means bitter. And you remember, you remember when Naomi came out of Moab and uh, they had lost the men in the family. Her husband and her two sons had died. And they said, uh, 
they said to Naomi, and she said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Bitterness. Bitterness. And myrrh is bitter, and it represents that which was used in embalming, and we think of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm very thankful that today there's no question about what the Gospel is. The good news of the Gospel is Jesus died, He was buried, and He rose again. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why we have this special time of remembrance. Last Wednesday night, going through 1 Corinthians, we came to the passage of Scripture on the Lord's Supper. And uh, we talked about that important observance, that memorial, and pointed out the differences, how some people get it wrong, and how, praise the Lord, the Bible has it right. And so we shared that. And you can go online and look at that as I speak on the Lord's Supper. I'm not organizing an attack against those that are different from us, but I want to be right when it comes to those things. I want to be right on the picture that Jesus died, was buried, and He rose again. And the Lord's Supper helps us to see that, helps us to realize that that was His purpose in coming. He came to seek and to save the lost. Praise the Lord for that. I want you to take your hymnals and turn to number 142 in your song sheet. It's O Little Town of Bethlehem. And uh, this song was written by one of the great preachers of his time. In the middle 1800s, there was a man who occupied uh, some strategic pulpits on the East Coast, one in Philadelphia and one in Boston. His name was Phillips Brooks. And Phillips Brooks was a big man. He was a giant of man, six foot six, a little taller than I am, and 300 pounds, a little heavier than I am, but a giant of a man. He could, uh, he could preach and uh, could speak and express himself very eloquently. And he made a trip to Bethlehem and was so impacted by uh, the visit to Bethlehem that uh, he wrote the words to a little town of Bethlehem. Lewis Redner placed it to music just in time for a Christmas program. Would you sing with me number 142, O Little Town of Bethlehem? And we're going to sing, that's the first and the fourth stanzas, just two verses together. Oh, great. 
you look with me for a moment at those words that were penned by Phillips Brooks when he mentioned Bethlehem of course the quietness of it is obvious and that quietness was broken by the presence of the angel messengers these angels are uh, beings that were created by God and one third of them fell and they comprised the fallen angels of Satan but the rest of them do the bidding of God. And so they are there to proclaim, and they made a wonderful, wonderful multitude of the heavenly host in proclaiming uh, the glory of God. And how important this is. We have that role given to us as well. One of our purposes, I, I believe, is this, to glorify God and to enjoy Him and His benefits, His blessings, but to glorify Him first for all eternity. In the, the dark streets, he talks about the everlasting light shining. He's speaking of the light of the Lord Himself. When Jesus was here in the body, He proclaimed Himself to be the light of the world as long as He's in the world. And now we are the lower lights, and we are, we are to likewise help folks to find the truth, the absolute truth of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we had the chance over the course of the past 15 days to do that. We're going to be giving out a report of uh, the tracts that have been distributed, uh, the individuals that have been spoken to, the gospel has been shared with others. We want to be constant light bearers, constant reflectors of the truth of Jesus Christ. And then we read about the... Um, the most important experience in life, and that's the last uh, verse, the middle phrase, be born in us today. When Jesus Christ comes into our heart and life, there is a new birth that takes place. And we're new from the inside out. Nobody gets to heaven by trying hard or by just doing good works. Heaven has been opened to us because we've been made brand new. When the new birth occurs... Jesus Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And then as we give Him control, He guides us and directs us into all truth. We read and learn the Word of God, and these things become a part of the fabric of our character. I'm telling you this today because this is not just uh, some story along with other stories that are told. This is, this is the very Word of God, and it's so very important. You need to be born again. Jesus said that. Ye must be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. There's no way to get to God except God coming to us and in the person of Jesus Christ saving and transforming us and giving us that new life. That's what it means to be born again. One eminent evangelist used to say so frequently, I can hear his voice now, even though he's gone to glory. He says, to be born again means to be born from above. Yes, Jesus came down that we might be able to join him someday. I'm so glad that the scripture is so plain in that regard. Amen.
Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Now that's from Isaiah chapter 7 and then Matthew chapter 1. And tonight I'll be speaking on that in our evening service. God with us, our Lord Emmanuel. God with us. Just like Peter the Great determined to go uh, disguised as a peasant and had kindness shown, was accepted by one who in turn was taken to live in the palace. Someday he's going to take us to that heavenly home. And I'm looking forward to it. How about you? Amen? Amen. I'm so glad for the truth of God's Word today and what it means to us. Praise the Lord. His purposes, His plans, He wants us to know them. That's why He's given us the Word of God. He's given us the Holy Spirit so that we can understand specifically what it is that we need and why we need Him. E.V. Hill, another great preacher, one that I followed his life and career. He pastored a great African-American congregation in Los Angeles for so many years and yet greatly beloved by everyone, greatly loved by this preacher. And uh, E.V. Hill was uh, preaching at Moody at their Bible conference one year. And he was giving an illustration, and only E.V. Hill, from his background, could probably get away with this. And I know that sometimes people get a little uneasy with this. But he was talking about what Jesus meant to him. And he said, I was preaching in such such location, and, uh, and a, a female, a lady, young lady, African-American, who was associated with the Black Panther Party, came up and began to berate him for forsaking uh, his people and his culture. And he said, no, no, no. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we're all lost. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And she began to, to wag her finger at him and accuse him of, of not providing anything. She said, would, would, if I asked Jesus into my heart, would he feed me? Would he feed all of our people? Would he, would he put a roof over our head? Would he put money in our pocket? Would he give us all those things? And he proceeded to preach a message that he brought to that Moody Founders group, that conference, and he said, what you have when you have Jesus. And he said, what you have when you have Jesus, you have life. And he said, young lady, with all due respect, you can believe whatever you want to believe. You can join anything you want to join. You can work through any agency you want to work. It's a free country. But you'll never have life until you have Jesus Christ. Come on now, amen. You don't have to be afraid to amen me. I, I'll let you do that. Amen. Amen. And life that's abundant life also comes from knowing Jesus Christ and yielding to Him. God has such a purpose. Israel had become a dying nation when Jesus came on the scene. He came in the fullness of the time, it says in Galatians. Just when people needed hope. And I believe that we can see some parallels. People today still need the same thing that people back then needed. They, they need hope. They need life. They need Jesus Christ. That's it. Micah, in chapter 5 and verse 2 of his prophecy, said that a king would be born in that little obscure town of Bethlehem. And he said that that king would come from eternity past. A little town of Bethlehem. 
And that's the way God works. And He's still in that business today. He's coming to us. We don't have anything to offer. We have nothing to give Him that in any way or any shape deserves salvation. But I'm so glad that He came down. Would you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2? Find your Bible there and turn to Philippians chapter 2. I'd like to read a scripture that tells just how far down he came. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We need to have an attitude adjustment this Christmas. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now listen to this, verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, did he say it's just for some? No, it's for everyone, that every tongue should confess. God wants people of every background, every origin, Every, every system that you come out of, everything that you've been part of. Jesus Christ came so far as to empty himself of the independent use of his attributes as God. Never ceased to be God, but he, he made himself subject to the will of the Father and never did anything except he was led of the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to do that. He was willing to trade in his crown of deity for a crown of thorns. He was willing to trade in 